All right, we're going to do something just a little bit different. Um, hidden under certain seats out there, there are 11 radios. You know, the little Motorola or AudioVox or something like that. So begin looking. If there's empty chairs around you, you might need to look under those as well because we need to find all 11 of them. And then here's your assignment. Here you go. Listen. Here's your assignment. Once I'll let you do that first, and then I'll give you your assignment. Now, just hold it. Don't do anything with it yet. Yeah, oh man, yeah. You're jumping ahead. Now, anybody check back there? You got, hold up your radios if you got them. All right, here's what you do. Everyone else, put them down. Everyone else, here's what you are going to do. You are going to talk in normal voices if you want to talk, if you want to sing, if you want to, you're going to try to make sure that they can't find their partner. Every radio is tuned in. Well, I say that. Most of the radios are tuned into another radio. So you've got to figure out how to turn on your radio. You've got to talk and figure out who your partner is and try to get with your partner and get um, somewhere where you and your partner are together so you recognize who you are. But you cannot say, you cannot say, my name is. You just have to give a description of yourself, and that's how you find each other. Are you ready? Mark, set, go. Everybody start talking. You don't want to. Let's start going, la, 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 la. Yeah, there you go. And, and by the way, you got 60 seconds. Ready? Set. <laughs> well, get with them. You got to get with your partner. Don't just point at them. You found them? Well, where are they? Well, you're not standing next to her. Don't stand next to her, Ryan. Get back there. That's the whole point there. Is... Alex is really helping you out there. We still got some of you. Okay, get over there, Lance. Lance, go over there. Go over there. All right, y'all stand right here real quick. Julie, Lance, stand there. Carissa, have you found a partner? All right. Have you got one back there, Dwayne? Is yours on? No. <laughs> now, there is only, he may have actually changed channel. There's only one of you that did not have, yours is a red one, right? It was you. You did not have a partner. Now, let me ask you folks. I did that on purpose. Let me ask you folks. What made it difficult for you to figure out who your partner was? Them? <laughs> it's your fault. Okay. What else? What made it difficult? Okay. Tammy couldn't figure out how to get her radio on. She didn't have her glasses, you know, and so she couldn't figure out, you know. She got it. She got it. Thank you. Now, what else? Give me something else. What made it hard? Didn't know how to get the thing on. You couldn't say their names. What would you say? Somebody didn't know the voices. Okay. Didn't recognize the voice. Any other thing? Chaotic. Alex added, you know, the extra sound, you know, that made it kind of difficult. I don't care what kind of radio you have. If you do not know how to turn it on, if you do not know how to tune it in, it's not going to do you any good. I love these things because we used to go on trips, you know, like ski trips and Six Flags and all that stuff. And if you get the ones that don't have the, the little individual codes, you know, because you have um, like 12 channels, 14 channels, but then the 38 privacy codes, yeah, he found the little call button. Those drive me nuts. 
I actually yelled at my wife one time thinking that a teenager at my last church had gotten one of those. And I was going, whoever it is, have the courage to say who you are. And Janie goes, honey, it's me. And I went, oh. And what's bad is there were like 12 radios around. Alex and Wes had them. And they're going, ooh, we did. You know? Anyway, if you don't have the same privacy code, what's really cool when you're in the mountains, if you have those that don't have the privacy codes, like you could be on Channel 10, every stinking teenager and child within a two-mile radius that has Channel 10, you're hearing it all day long. But if you have the privacy codes, like Channel 10 and then privacy, I think I put a lot of y'all on privacy code 5, only those people, everyone else can hear you, but you can only hear those people that are on Channel 10 and Privacy Code 5. Very, very nice. So you got to know how to tune them in. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Turn them off, please, because we're going to use these again in the future so that we save batteries. But the whole thing is it doesn't matter. It does not matter what kind of radio. And they used to be real expensive, but now we've got some inexpensive radios. If you don't know how to turn them on... If you don't know how to get them in the right frequency and tune them in, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Probably one of the most um, dangerous phrases in the English language is this phrase. God told me to do it. God told me to do it. I have heard that. It's probably one of the most abused phrases as well. I have heard that used from everything for dating breakups to purchases of cars and houses and loans to start businesses. Um Marriage proposals, I've heard those, you know, it it can be a manipulative phrase if you don't use it correctly. Because, I mean, when somebody says God told me to do it, how do you argue with God? (laughs) That's kind of a big one there. A lot of stupid decisions have been blamed on God. How many of you would agree with that? You heard people blaming God for stupid decisions? Most of you have done it, so have I. And I have to admit to you, even though I've been in ministry over 20 years now, whenever somebody tells me that God told them to do it, I'm a little skeptical because I want to say, how do you know God told you to do it? What exactly were you smoking when God told you to do that? Because a lot of times I'm saying that's not from God. But let me let me share something with you. The existence of counterfeit always assumes a reality. What do I mean by that? Well, you don't counterfeit something that's not real. Have you ever seen a counterfeit three dollar bill? No, because there's no real $3 bill. Now, true story, true story here in the United States. There was a woman that tried to pass a counterfeit $1 million bill. Alex actually found a picture of it. This is true. She wanted change. I'm going to pay you with a fake $1 bill, $1 million bill. And I want, this is true story. I'm just like, come on. Nobody's going to believe that there is a $1 million bill and that you're going to pay for it at Walmart for your eggs and cookies, you know? (laughs) Give me a break. Doesn't make any sense. And the existence of the counterfeit assumes that there's something real. So there are people that are going to blame God for stupid decisions, but the existence of some of those stupid decisions blamed on God assumes that there is a reality that God speaks to people. And the truth is God does want to speak to you. He wants to speak to you today. The next three weeks, that's what we're doing this series on. Can you hear me now? And we're talking about hearing God. And of course, this is sponsored by Verizon Wireless. Now they've gone to the whole network thing, but we'll use their commercials anyway. How do you tune into God? How do you know when it's God talking? How do you know when it's just you talking to yourself? How do you know when it's the pizza that you ate last night? There are ways that God has told us in the Bible that we can determine whether it's his voice or not. And that's what we're going to look at. Um, My daughters love Hello Kitty and they have these Hello Kitty radios. When you turn on those radios, most of the time, Hannah, five years old, has not figured out how to tune it into a station. It's a cute little radio, but it doesn't work for her. 
She's like, it's broken. No, it's not broken. You just got to turn this little dial till you find the right thing. But the bad thing was for a long time, all they could ever find was preaching. <laughs> and they're like, Daddy, all I hear is preaching. I'm like, that's good. But they said they weren't any good, so they didn't like to listen to them. The point is, God has already given you all the equipment that you already need. You just need to learn how to tune that equipment into him. The Bible says you were made in God's image and human beings are different from animals. Animals don't talk to God. Animals don't pray. Animals don't hear from God. But you were created in God's image. And so all the equipment you need to hear God, you've already got. You just got to learn how to use it right. Now, most of you are too young to remember this. But back in the 70s, there was a fad called CB radio. And we had CB radios in our car. And I remember working that. We'd put my mom and dad in the back seat. My sister would be driving and I'd be working the radio. She'd be working the radio. And, and we'd say, you know, things like, hey, good buddy, you know, and, and 10-4 and, and things like, you, you rattle the trees and I'll rake the leaves, you know. And that meant you, you got the front door, we got the back door. And, and one of the things that we used to say was, got your ears on? When we wanted to know, you know, if there were any Smokies coming up from the other area, uh, from the from the area we were going to, we'd say, hey, this is my phrase I used all the time. Hey, northbound 18 wheeler, you got your ears on. And 99 percent of the time you'd hear somebody come back. Hey, good buddy. I'm listening. What do you want? I said, I need a Smokey report. And he'd tell me if he'd seen any cops. I mean, you know, real, real beneficial tool that we had back then. But the whole point is this got your ears on. You got your ears on. And I want you to know that that fad, that phrase did not, was not original with CB radio. It actually started with Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Look at Luke chapter 8. And here's what it says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What in the world is Jesus talking about? He's saying, you've got the equipment to hear from me. You've got to tune it in. You've got to learn how to tune that in. Now, Jesus told the story about how to do that. It's called the parable of the sower and the parable of the four soils. Luke chapter 8. Read along as I read this. One day, Jesus told this story to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. This seed began to grow, but soon it withered and died for a lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop 100 times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Or the way it says it in the NIV, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, what's he talking about? Jesus says this farmer goes out to sow seed. And he's not planting one seed at a time. He's broadcast spreading. And it falls on different types of soils. And depending on the type of soil uh, it falls on, it gets a different response. Now, fortunately, later in this same chapter, Jesus' followers didn't understand what was going on. So Jesus explained everything that was happening here. And he said these things. He said the seed, uh, the farmer represents God. The seed represents God wanting to speak to you. God's word to you. The soil represents four different attitudes you can have towards hearing from God. Four different responses, responses of the heart, responses of the mind. And before we can look at how to hear God, we've got to learn how to prepare ourselves to hear God. So if you want to hear God speak, here's what you do. Four steps. Number one is open your mind. Open your mind. If you don't think that God can and will speak to you, guess what? He won't. It's amazing to me how many people in this world think they are open-minded, but they're not. They are closed-minded. They are narrow-minded, especially when it comes to God. They don't even believe in the possibility that God could speak to them. They've been brainwashed by this society, and um, they've got closed minds. This is what Jesus said about the first kind of soil, the footpath soil. Luke 8, 5. 
A farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where, it's, where it was stepped on, and the birds came and ate it. Now, on the farm, in between the rows of vegetables or whatever it is you're planting, there are areas that the uh, workers walk on when they're planting and when they're harvesting. And as the workers walk up and down this pathway, what happens to it? It gets really, really hard. The soil gets hard. And so if by some accident some of the seed falls on this hard path, it's not going to take root because it's too difficult. It's too hard. And so it just lays on the surface until the birds come along and eat it. It never gets a chance to sprout. Well, Jesus tells us a few verses later the meaning of this. Luke eight twelve. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message, but then the devil comes and steals it away and prevents them from believing and being saved. Now, there's two characteristics of the footpath. Number one, it's hardened, and two, it's narrow. You know any minds like that? You know any people that are that have narrow minds and hard, closed minds? No, you don't. Uh, I know a lot of people like that. Thank you, Kyle, for participating. Um, they have a narrow view of life. The point is, sometimes people don't even give God a chance. And uh, our minds are made up. The hard soil represents this kind of mind, a hard, closed mind. And the tragedy of this type of mind is that it's, it's barren. It's like a moonscape. Nothing grows there. Nothing exists there. And that type of person isn't really living. They're just existing because God said he came to give us a better type of life, an abundant life. And a lot of people are just existing. Jesus said that the birds come along and eat this kind of of seed. This type of life is useless. It's for the birds, Jesus says. So the first step to hearing God is you've got to open your mind. The second step is you have to set aside time to listen. Set aside time to listen. Now, the second kind of soil Jesus talks about is in Luke 8, 6. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. This seed began to grow, but soon it withered and died for lack of moisture. Now, in Israel, much of the soil, much of the land has a thin layer of topsoil over this bedrock of limestone. And uh, it's not like some of the fertile areas that we have in the United States where you've got just deep, dark, um, black Earth, we were driving the other day and, and the kids had never seen black dirt, you know, because we got a bunch of red clay and a bunch of rocks and junk in our yard. They saw this black dirt and they're like, ooh, and Janie said, oh, I love black soil because that, that represents lots of nutrients, lots of places where farmers like the, that type of soil. But in, in Israel, it's not like that. A lot of places, very thin layer of topsoil over limestone, this really hard stuff. And so when you plant something on this rocky soil, the seed sprouts, but it can't live very long because it can't get deep roots and there's no moisture down there. So the first barrier to hearing God speak is resistance. But the second barrier to hearing God speak is hurry. Any of y'all ever uh, succumb to hurry sickness, especially this time of year? And we're going to talk about this uh, again in a few months. We're going to we're going to revisit a series we did several years ago called Simplifying Your Life. And uh one of, the, one of the characteristics of, of our messed up lives is hurry sickness. And I'll just give you a quick test to, to, de, to determine whether you have hurry sickness or not. If you are driving in your car around the loop and the endless amount of stoplights on the loop, and you pull up to one of those stoplights, I got stopped at every one of them the other day. It was a blessing. I'm sure God was protecting me from myself. But anyway, I got stopped at all of them. If you drive up to this stoplight and you, in your mind, begin to look at not only the make and model of the car to try to determine which one will pull away quickly enough, but also the age and sex of the driver behind the wheel in that car, then you have hurry sickness. If when you go to Walmart 
You come up to those lines and, you know, even now when <laughs> I can't even stand it when the self-checkout lines have people in them because I want to get out immediately. If you come up to a line and you begin calculating the number of items in the basket, you begin to try to de- determine the speed of the person checking them out, the cashier. You might have hurry sickness, but some of you have a deeper level because not only do you check out, you know, how many items you calculate that, how fast the person's scanning, you know, and put them in the bag and how fast they're getting it around there. You don't only check that when you get into line, you look back over where you would have been and you you mentally race the person that would have been you. And if that person gets done before you, it's a bad day. You have hurry sickness. But some of you are like, I won. You know, if you get finished before that person, it would have been you. It's a good day. You have hurry sickness. So we'll talk more about hurry sickness later. When you have hurry sickness, it means that God gets pushed over to the side of your life. God gets the leftovers in your life. Men, let me just ask you this. What would the quality of your marriage or your family life be if your wife or your family only got the leftovers of your time? Now, ladies, I did not ask you. Some of you are going to say, yes, we're getting it. I'll tell you what it's like. No, no, I didn't ask you. I didn't ask you. I asked the men, what would it be like? You won't go very long with a healthy relationship like that. Um, what would it have been like if when you were dating, you gave that woman the leftovers of your time? Would, would the relationship have progressed? No. When we're dating, oh, they get the best of us. We get married, they get the worst of us. Now, whenever you give someone the leftovers, your relationship suffers. And that's what happens when you give God the leftovers of your time. Your spiritual life will shrivel and die. God says, uh, we say to God, I want to hear from you, God, but I got five minutes. Ready, set, go. You get the timer. I know some of you, you'll have a daily time with God because I've done this in the past. And you'll look at the clock and you'll think, I need to go 15 minutes. And it's almost like you got the timer going. You get the egg timer going. God, you got 15 minutes. Speak to me now. And God says, I don't want any part of that. God says, I don't, I think I'll pass because I want to be the center of your life. And the way that you know that whether God's the center of your life, the way you prove that he's the center of your life is you allocate time for him. Uh, Yesterday, we were at a soccer tournament in Tyler and um, we had our first game at eight o'clock in the morning. And then we had like three and a half hours till our second game. And so I said to Janie, I said, let's go get a cup of coffee. She said, great. So we take the girls and we go get uh, go to Dunkin' Donuts, and we're sitting there. The girls are at one table, Janie and I are at another table, and uh, I got in trouble because she comes and sits down, so I was going to sit across from her. She said, I was coming to sit by you. And I said, yes, ma'am. So I moved over by her, and we're just drinking our coffee, and we're talking about nothing. I mean, just, you know, the billboard outside, you know, and, and soccer. And she goes, I love drinking coffee, talking. I said, even when we're talking about soccer and what we did wrong? And she goes, It doesn't matter what we're talking about. I just like to be with you. And I think God feels the same way. God doesn't care what you talk about. He just wants to spend time with you. Luke 8, 13 says, The rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy, but like young plants in such soil, their roots roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. Jesus says the second type of soil is shallow soil. It's superficial soil. And so he's talking about a shallow mind. Sometimes we react superficially to God. 
to God's word. We get excited. We react emotionally. We're moved. But we don't let God's word sink down into the bedrock of our personality. So no change happens. I can't tell you how many times in the three years that new life has been in existence that somebody will come up to me after a service and say, oh, God spoke to me today. I know I was supposed to be here today. It was like you knew what I was needing and you were talking. And, and, and I'm like, oh, that's great. I, I love it when God speaks to people. If God's not speaking to people at our church, then I'm not doing my job. The band's not doing their job. We are not. We're not getting it right because you should you should never make God's word boring and, and people ought to be be encountering God when they come here. I love that. But here's the problem. A lot of times those same people, I'll see them two, three months later and there's absolutely no change in their life. They reacted emotionally to the message that day. and They said, oh, God spoke to me. And then I see three months later, they may not even be attending church anymore. And so they heard God, but immediately it withered and died because why? Why does that happen in our lives? Well, the, the United States Air Force did a study on how long we remember things that we just hear. The problem is we forget what we hear. After 72 hours, they did this test. They found out you forget 95% of what you hear. As a pastor, that's an incredibly depressing statistic, man. Y'all going to walk out by Wednesday and what Doug talk about? I don't know. I don't know. That's why we do these listening guides, because you remember a little bit longer things you write down. That's why we do different videos. We're going to show you a video in just a minute. That's why we do these things. We do drama. We do all of this stuff. We do the radio thing because I'm going to be able to say, you remember the radio thing? If you're not tuned in, if you don't remember you and you won't, you won't remember anything else I said today, but you'll remember the radios because we got up and did it. And if by some chance you'll remember that that represents your relationship with God, then we've done our job and God's spoken to you today. Now, does anyone here want to be a shallow person? You want to have God describe you as a shallow person, as a superficial mind? Um, I don't think you do. So, so how, do you, how do you stop being superficial spiritually? How do you grow deep roots spiritually? There's a couple of things. Simple things to do, but most of us don't do them, and so we're not deep spiritually. Two ways anybody can do it. One is you schedule a daily time with God. You put it in your schedule because if you don't, it's not going to happen. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I don't care how much. We call it a quiet time. We even have a class called 201, Discovering Spiritual Maturity, where we teach you how to have a daily time with God. We teach you the habits that you need, that if you were stranded on a deserted island, you would still grow spiritually if you have these habits in your life. We're doing that 201 class today. It's another commercial. You can sign up right now. You can stay after church today if you've taken class 101, and you can do 201. There'll be about two hours. We'll be finished with that and we'll have a great time. But if you do not have a daily time with God, I can't think of anything that would cause you to grow spiritually faster than having a daily time with God. So you've got to allocate time with God. Schedule it. The second thing that you do to help you grow deep roots is you get into a small group. Everybody needs a small group. Whether that's Celebrate Recovery that meets every Sunday night here from 5 to 7, or whether that's the small groups that are meeting in homes, everybody needs a small group. Because... That's where God can speak to you through other people. That's where you can talk about things here. Even in a group this size, we can't say, you know, as I'm teaching, you can't say, oh, well, wait a minute. What about that? But you can in a small group. When we get around a circle all the time, we get questions. Well, you know, I heard this and, and I, I've always been taught this. Is this in the Bible? And you have this discussion time and God teaches you through other people and he teaches other people through you. We believe life change happens best in small groups. And if you're not in a small group, then you're not giving God an opportunity to shape you spiritually like he wants to do. Those of you who are in small group, you just find somebody that's in a small group and ask them what they like about small group. And they'll start telling you they'll have a long list because it's a great time when we spend together. 
You don't you don't learn as much while you sit still while I instill. You learn by discussing, and that's what happens in small groups. Hebrews 10.25 says, Don't give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. Notice it says it's a habit. You need to get in the habit of being in a small group. So, first thing is you have an open mind. Second thing is you, um, you schedule some time for God. Third thing that you need to do if you're going to hear from God is you need to eliminate distractions. We want to show you a video where you'll see some distractions. trouble have you been having? Well, doctor, ever since we got back from our Mexico trip, I've just had this uncontrollable urge to kiss my wife. That's interesting. What seems to cause that? Well, I'm not sure, but you know what? It seems to happen every time I smell my wife. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's especially embarrassing when we're right in the middle it sounds like forcemide toxicity. I'm going to see what we have to treat this. Hmm, two pills a day? Or two shots a day? Two pills a day? Or two shots a day? It's going to be two shots a day. Well, it's more serious than I thought. Drop your pants. <laughs> oh my, it is much worse than I thought. What do you for? My educated guess is torsamon toxicity, and this will cure it. Oh, then I suggest you go to an ear, nose, and throat specialist or lay off that cheap Mexican perfume. One more thing. Give me these. Let's take the hat. Oh, yeah. The next couple of weeks, you'll be seeing the adventures of miscommunication with Maraca Man. And uh, it gets better. Now, the third point is to eliminate distractions. This is the third kind of soil. Jesus calls this the soil with weeds. Luke 8, 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades. Now, notice in this soil that the, the seed actually gets to sprout and it comes up, but it doesn't last that long because it gets choked out. Um, it never produces fruit because of the weeds. And in Luke 8, 14, Jesus tells us what that is. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. Now, i got a question for you. Are you always on the go? Anybody here just have too much time on your hands? 
Now, when you're you're going to fall prey to this one, if you uh, if you're always on the go, the first barrier we said to hearing God's voice was resistance. The second is hurry. The third barrier is busyness, busyness. You can get so distracted and busy that you don't have time to hear God. And a lot of people confuse activity with productivity. They think if they're just moving, if they're just going 90 to nothing, then, then they're actually being productive. It's not the same thing. You can be running and you can be on the go and just be going in circles. Or you can be the person on the treadmill. You are running really, really fast. But when you get off the treadmill, you're at exactly the same place that you started. And that can be frustrating. So no matter what you're doing, you've got to realize that if you are always on the go, you can be stressed out. You can be worn out. You can be at the end of your rope. You can be choked by the cares of this life. And there are lots of different kinds of weeds. Jesus calls those weeds. A weed is anything you allow to take first place in your life instead of God. A weed is anything you allow to choke out your time with God, your schedule with God. It could be a good thing, but if it takes your place, it takes your time with God, then it is a weed and God uh, identifies it as that. Now, let me ask you a very profound question. How much effort does it take to grow weeds? Uh, None. I mow some lawns. Caleb and I mow some lawns, and some of them are just weed infested. And we've actually started with one lady. We're on this like three-year program because it was Bahia grass and... There's sticker burrs, there's all kinds of stuff, and we're trying to work her yard back into shape, and it's going to take some time because it is out of control. You know how it got out of control? She didn't do anything. She didn't fertilize it. She didn't really mow it. She didn't pull weeds. She didn't do any of that. I want you to write this down. It isn't on your list, God. I want you to write this down. Weeds are a sign of neglect. Weeds are a sign of neglect. It takes no effort to grow weeds. Whenever you neglect time with God and when you... Neglect your daily time with God whenever you neglect small group time. Guess what? Weeds are going to start growing in your life. I can guarantee it. Now, in the Old Testament, there was this guy named Elijah. Elijah is one of my favorite uh, prophets in the Old Testament. One time he wanted to hear God speak. And so he goes up to the top of this mountain and he says, God, I really want to hear you speak. And so the Bible tells us that first God sent this huge wind. It just comes roaring down, you know, hurricane force winds, tornado force winds, whatever. And it's just unbelievable sound of rushing wind through the canyon. And the Bible says an interesting phrase. It says, but God was not in the wind. And then second, God sends this earthquake. You know, the whole mountain's shaking. Things are falling down. And Elijah is duly impressed. But then the Bible says this interesting phrase. God was not in the earthquake. Then God sends this forest fire and it consumes the mountain. And Elijah's duly impressed. And then the Bible says this neat little phrase. But God was not in the fire. And then the Bible says, then there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And God's voice was in the whisper. Don't know what the problem with a whisper is? We hate silence. You have to be quiet to hear it. And I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. God has been whispering to you all week long. But you've not been quiet. God's been trying to talk to you. And see, God is a gentleman. God's not going to shout at you. He's not going to write in the sky. You know, I love Bruce Almighty. I love that movie. But, you know, God's not going to do all of those things. And you know, all of the signs that he gave to, to the girl to come back to him. All you need is Bruce. 
God's not going to do that. He's not going to send you all of those signs. God is a gentleman, and He waits until you open the door. He says, I stand at the door of your heart, and I knock, and I whisper, and my voice is in a whisper. So until you slow down, you're not going to hear from God. The fourth thing is do what God says. Do what God says. This is incredibly important. God speaks to the person who decides in advance that to do whatever God tells him or her to do. You're saying, yes, God, before you even before you even tell me what I'm going to do, what you want me to do, I'm going to say, yes, I know you love me. I know you're smarter than me. I know you want the best for me. And, and I know you're God and I'm not. So whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it because I trust you. That's the person God speaks to. God doesn't speak to the person who says, you know, God, you know, why don't you give me your opinion on the subject and then I'll decide whether I want to do that or not. He doesn't speak to the person who says, God, I've got three or four options over here. Why don't you give me your option? I'll line them up with the other three and I'll choose which one I decide is best. God says, no, I want to be the center. I want to be number one. And I'm going to talk to the person who says whatever. God says, if, if you're the type of person who says, God, I'm giving you a blank check, I'm signing it. That's trust. And God says, I'll speak to you. Now, this is what the Bible calls the good soil. Verse 15. The seed that fell on the good soil stands for those who hear. I want you to to circle the word hear. Those who hear the message and retain it. Circle the word retain. Those who hear the message and retain it in a good and obedient heart. Circle obedient. And they persist. Circle persist until they bear fruit. So four marks of good soil. You just circled them there. First, they hear, they retain it. That means they remember it. They write it down. They do whatever they need to to remember it. They care enough to write those things down. They obey it, and then they persist until they bear fruit. Well, what is fruit? Well, I'll tell you one thing it tells you in this verse. One one, um, possible way that you can bear fruit in your Christian life. In the Living Bible, it says it this way. They listen to God's words and cling to them and steadily spread them to others who also soon believed. The, the, the little phrase that I want our church to, to remember over and over is, is a phrase called learn and return. God doesn't teach you something for you to become a spiritually obese person. God teaches you something because he wants you to pass it on to others. So anytime you learn a spiritual truth, if you want to hear more from God, God says you return what I've taught you to someone else. You learn it, you return it. You learn it, you return it. That's how you pass on what God has has given to you. If God gives you something spiritually and you don't share it with somebody else, then God says, I can't trust you with more knowledge because you've not shared what I've already given you. So you learn and you return. God expects you to pass it on. This is the good soil, and it's what we call the willing mind. God, I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do. I'm willing to pass it on to anybody you want me to pass it on to. I will be a mouthpiece for you. All right, so let's finish this up. Let's review. If we were to do a spiritual brain scan on your mind today, right now at this moment, and we were able to to electronically put up here your spiritual thoughts, some of us would be greatly embarrassed. Some of us would just be blank, <laughs> you know, because we've not really had any spiritual thoughts in the past seven days. But if we were to do a spiritual brain scan, what would we find? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take just a second, fill out your registration card, and then I want you to turn your registration card over to the back. So just fill that out, your name, address. By the way, you know, I send out emails at least once a month, and some of you may not be receiving emails. Every month I get back about seven or eight that says undeliverable, and uh, 
be sure if you're not getting it, be sure that I have your correct email address. So I just sent one out Friday and I got like eight back undeliverable. So I'll go through and check those this week and make sure that we got them. Now, once you put your name down, once you, once you fill that out, turn it over to the back. And here's what I want you to do. One of the things I love about this group of people is you are so incredibly honest. You tell me things on the back of the card, just blows my mind. Um, I mean, it's good. I'm just, I'm just saying I, I, one of the ways you communicate with me is through the back of this card. But it's not, it's not so important that you are honest with me. I want you to be honest with God right now. And I want you to think, which mind... Which spiritual mind does your mind most resemble? And you got the four options on the back of your card there. So are you, are you like the closed mind? You don't even think about God? You don't give God the time of day? Are you more like the superficial mind? Yeah, I'll listen once a month, once every six weeks maybe. Are you like the preoccupied mind? God's just one more thing that you, know, you add to your schedule. Or are you like the willing mind? Put a check mark there. Wherever, and, and what I want you to do is take just a moment and I want you to tell God. He sees it, but there's something about in your mind admitting those things to God that gives Him an opportunity to work in your life. Now, if you're tired of living in one of those three ways, three types of minds or soils, then this series is for you. We're going to talk about how you determine God's voice. We're going to talk about how you make time for God's voice. We'll give you a list of things that you can check. If you think something is from God, you'll have a list of things where you can check. And, and confirmation. That's what I want to ask somebody. When God tells you something and you get zero confirmation from other Christians, from the Bible, you know, that's not God. God will confirm anything that He tells you. Now, I want you to just... Close your eyes for a second as we finish up this service.